the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. I'm Selwyn Whitehead. I'm also a California Bar Admitted Attorney who's also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And in addition to having a JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law. I am a master of the laws of taxation laws, believe it or not, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Geez, how did I do that? Both my master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in beautiful downtown San Francisco. Because of my training, my experiences, my expertise, and my interests, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate and, of course, taxation law. And I'm also proud to say that sometimes as part of my overall practice and in conjunction with some of the other areas of law that I practice, I sometimes have the opportunity to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of the various forms of financial elder abuse that's running rampant in our society today. I am, as always, so pleased to be able to come to you once again today from the Beautiful KFAX Studios in beautiful downtown, well, not downtown, but around town, (laughs) San Francisco Bay Area, to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting families and small business owners. However, as always, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with any of you or anyone within the sound of my voice. And that's because a uh, attorney-client relationship is in some ways better than a marriage. We both have to seek each other out and agree to the terms and conditions of a contract before we enter into that relationship. But I I want you to know also that as an attorney, even if we don't develop an attorney-client relationship, I have to maintain the confidentiality that anyone who might want to discuss a matter with me. So I I'm, I'm, want you to understand it's not that I don't want to be your lawyer, although I might not. <laughs> I want you to understand that this show, because it's a broadcast and not a duplex conversation, it, it's not possible for us to have an attorney-client relationship, although some of you might think that we do. And so I'm just stating that for the record. Okay. 
But, you know, the show really is an educational forum for me to broadcast and exchange information to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and not the the um, uh, abstract circumstances I present on this show. And the purpose is to hopefully provide you with an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. Again, as I'm known for saying, I think if you have a legal on a financial matter or one that's combined legal and financial, you really should not try to take it on yourself. And again, it's not because you're not competent, you're not brilliant, you, you're not the most ethical person in the world. It's just that. It's like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. Everybody else in the courtroom is going to be a lawyer, including the judge and his or her clerks and the uh, your opponent, your adversary, the person that's causing you to be in court or where you're in court to go after somebody. They're going to be represented by uh, uh, a lawyer because uh, more than likely the other side is going to be an entity that can't come into court and speak for itself. You, however, are allowed to go into federal court and represent yourself. But you might think that that's um, going to save you money, time, and energy, but it's kind of like being penny-wise and pound-foolish. And again, it's like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. Everybody else is going to be armed with the appropriate tool or weapon to do what it is that they need to do, even if it's just the judge sitting up there on the bench deciding what's appropriate, what comes into the record, and what does not. He or she is going to be trained uh, with the tools and, and have knowledge and access to even more knowledge to adjudicate your case. And so I think it it, it is like penny-wise and pound-foolish to think that you can cut corners and save costs by representing yourself because, quite frankly, because everyone else is going to be well-armed, um, your, your just cause, your just claim against the other side or your righteous defense to prevent them from harming you is going to see the promised land long before you do. So the rationale for this show is to provide an educational form and help you think about things so you can at least ask a group of lawyers that you might want to hire the right kinds of questions to make sure that they're able to understand what it is that's going on with you and your family so you can make a decision and select the right attorney for you because not every attorney is going to be right for you, not only because of their... um, their knowledge and skill set, but maybe their temperament. As you know, some of my clients say I get on their nerves because I nudge them to do stuff that they need to do, and maybe you don't you don't want that, you know, or you know I just you know uh, I'm pretty blunt, uh, and maybe you want someone that'll soft pedal stuff. So that's why you need to interview lawyers and see if they make sense, or you know get a recommendation from friends. Or, you know, someone who can tell you, you know, if the lawyer is thorough, if they're competent, and if you can get along with them. And I've been hearing from folks that say that their lawyers don't explain stuff to them. And I I really have a problem with that. First off, it's your case. And the things that your lawyers are doing for you, you should know why it is. And I just, it, it makes my blood boil to listen to uh, uh, a debtor in bankruptcy tell the judge, well, I, I didn't know why I signed that. 
first off, you're a big boy or a girl, and you shouldn't sign things unless you know what they are. Or I hear people say, well, I don't, I didn't understand my taxes because, you know, I give it to my CPA and um, he or she completes it and I just sign. Well, I'm sorry, but the Internal Revenue Service and the uh, Franchise Tax Board are going to come after you, not the preparer, because you're the ones that's signing these documents under penalty of perjury. So uh, sometimes my clients say I over-explain stuff. Well, you know, that's my engineering background. I overthink things and I over-explain. But then <laughs> none of my clients go in and stand in front of the judge and say, um, Ms. Whitehead didn't explain to me what's going on. And so you should demand that from your counsel. And how do you do that? You understand at least the parameters of what's going on in your case. And that's what this show it is about, just to for us to understand the law of finances um, so that we'll be able to, you know, better protect our family and ourselves and be able to deal with issues when they come up. So with that said, I want to begin a s- discussion on what a debtor must do to stay in a Chapter 13 bankruptcy once she makes the decision to file the case and not end up having her case dismissed before or after her Chapter 13 plan is confirmed. The reason I want to broach this subject today is because I've heard from some of you in the listening audience asking me to look at your case and explain why the case got dismissed and what I need to do the next time I file, if I decide to file and not have the same thing happen again. So, you know, this is a, 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 a very important uh, question and issue. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to discuss this matter with you all. Well, you see, I have some really bad news to share, and you might as well hear it from me over the radio as opposed to having it happen to you in real life. Most Chapter 13 cases don't make it to the finish line and accomplish the goal that the debtor set out to achieve by filing the case in the first instance. In fact, according to a recent study completed by Ed Flynn entitled The Success Rate in Chapter 13, which was published in the American Bankruptcy Institute's journal in August of 2018, last year about this time, and it found that only 38.8% of Chapter 13 debtors complete their plan. And you must complete the plan because it's the first and most important and crucial step in reinstating the defaulted loan on the asset for which you filed a 13 in the first place and also importantly, for you to get a discharge. So let me say that another way. When you file a Chapter 7 liquidating bankruptcy, that's where you say, well, I'm going to throw in a towel on this business is making me crazy. I'm going to turn over my non-exempt assets, and then I'm going to get a fresh start. I'll get discharged off all my debt, and I can walk out and start a new business or go get a job. You'll get a discharge shortly after filing, generally between I'll say as soon as maybe three to four months and as long as maybe six, depending on how soon you do what you need to do to to get out of it. So you get your discharge right away, and you know you're going to get it. But in the Chapter 13, you don't get the discharge until you complete the plan. And the longest you can stay in a Chapter 13 is 60 months. 
Just think how you would feel if you're in month 50 or month 55 or month 59 and your case gets dismissed because you haven't done the things that you need to do. Not only will your loan not be reinstated, you will not get a discharge and you might find yourself in worse financial shape than if you had not ever filed in the first instance. So when we get back, we'll go a little bit deeper into my observations about why Chapter 13 cases get dismissed and some of the things you can do to make it maybe not happen to you. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on my observations as to why Chapter 13 cases get dismissed and what you can and must do to prevent your case from being dismissed. So let me go back and tell you what the problem is. You usually file a Chapter 13 bankruptcy as a remedy for an individual or his and or his or her family who are human beings. Again, Chapter 13s are for individuals and not corporate entities. So you could be an individual, you could be an individual and his or her spouse, and that would include the whole little family there, or you could be a sole proprietor as opposed to a corporation or another artificial entity. And one of the reasons, the primary reason you would file a Chapter 13 is you have a need to catch up on missed payments related to one or more of your secured debts on a real asset, such as your car or a piece of real property, including your home, or an income tax debt of some sort where uh, the taxing authority is coming after you because they filed a statutory lien in the county where your property is. Or it could be a piece of income-producing personal property, such as the machine that you use to make the widgets that you sell to your customers. So you, you, you file the case to catch up on the missed payments over the course of time that the court will allow, and you want to obtain a discharge of some or all of your outstanding unsecured debts by the end of your plan. And again, that's the reason why most debtors and his or her family file a rationally based Chapter 13. Now, people do all kinds of irrational things, but I tend to not represent them. Again, however, filing the case is the first step in a multi-step gauntlet, just like Clint Eastwood had to go through. And you got to traverse it before the debtor gets to the finish line and obtains a court order signed by a federal judge reinstating the loan. And you get a separate court order telling the world that you are discharged of your remaining unsecured debt. And it might be all of your unsecured debt, but it'll be as much as possible as you can get have a discharge on. Unfortunately, and in according to my own observations and the research conducted by experts in the field, some 61.2% of 
the debtors who file a Chapter 13 today are going to get booted out of the court for noncompliance with one or more of the required rules before their plan is ever confirmed or for being in default uh, once the plan has been confirmed. But you see, Chapter 13 plan is a contract, a new contract, a novation, you know, setting aside the requirements of the contracts that you had that got you into financial difficulty because you could not comply. You're going to have a federal court sanction. I don't mean a bad kind of sanction, but bless this new relationship between you and your creditors. But you've got to follow this new contract or your case will be dismissed. So here's the King James Version of the Queen's English of the three top reasons I have observed that debtors get their cases dismissed. Firstly, these debtors don't make all the provisional plan payments in according with the plan of reorganization that must be proposed and filed within 14 days that the case, the bankruptcy case, is filed with the court, and they don't adhere to the pl- the payments. That's reason number one. Reason number two is these debtors don't provide the Chapter 13 trustee with all the supporting information and data about the assets, liabilities, income, and expenses that they've articulated in their schedules that was filed along with the petition. And these uh, the supporting information, substantiating um, these assets, liabilities, income, and expenses are required by the bankruptcy code and the federal rules of bankruptcy procedures and the local rules of the court where the case is filed. The third reason why debtors uh, get booted is because once the plan gets confirmed, then the debtors neglect to make the payments as they promised under this new contractual arrangement according to the language in the confirmed plan. And after that, they wait too long to pick up the phone and call their lawyer and say, hey, what can I do? Is there something I can do? And yeah, maybe you might be able to modify the plan explaining to the court why you got behind and what you're going to do to catch up in a short term and still continue to make the other plan payments and all the other obligations. And it might be possible by taking on another part-time job or doing some other things, some creative things that some of my clients and I have conjured up in our minds and executed in order to stay in the plan. Again, you must stay in the plan in order for you to fix what went wrong before, get a new, uh, get your loan um, rehabilitated and get that very important discharge. Okay, so it, it, it's it's been my observation that miscommunication is 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 one of the problems in getting uh, the debtor to do what they need to do to stay in the plan. You know, so. I tend to inform my clients from the get-go that you won't be able to rehabilitate your defaulted loan or loans and get the discharge of any of your unsecured debt until you complete the plan. Filing a Chapter 13 without a real commitment to do whatever you need to do that's legal, moral, and ethical is but a waste of time and may land you in 
deeper in debt, debt than you were before you filed the case. Uh, the reason why I broached this subject, again, is because I've heard from some of you in the audience and I've looked at your case on the docket and told you what I think. But mostly it's for those three reasons. Don't make uh, pre-confirmation payments. Don't give the trustee the information she requires to tell the court that you are an honest debtor that needs to and is um, the kind of debtor that should be in a, in a bankruptcy. So here's here's how I tr- tend to not have miscommunications with my client. I send them this letter after I file their, their case or, or words to this effect. Good morning, Dick and Jane. Attached are copies of your petition, schedules, Chapter 13 plan, and the means test that I filed and docketed with the court last evening, whatever the date. Your case number is whatever the case number is. Please keep these documents for your record. I've also attached a copy of the Notice of Bankruptcy Case Filing that you can use to show anyone who attempts collection actions against you that you are under the protection of the United States Bankruptcy Court and they need to talk to me if they have any issues, concerns, or questions. Then I go on to say, I also called the entity that was to have sold your house today at the name of the entity and at the entity's phone number, and I found out that they already knew about the filing and they have postponed the sale of your home to a date that's generally 30 days out. Just put a plug in it. The reason why they know is most creditors are hooked into this network that alerts them whenever anybody files for a a bankruptcy. They know not to violate the stay and that's why they want to know. And a lot of times when I call or fax these individuals with information about my client's case, they already know about it, which is a good thing. I go on to say, your current plan payment is the dollar amount of your plan payment, your monthly payment, which includes your proposed interim good faith modified mortgage payment if we're trying to get um, the, the loan mod through the bankruptcy court. And I tell them what that number is if we included it in the plan. And I say, this is the amount you have to pay for the next 60 months. Then I go on to tell them, please make your plan payments in the form of a cashier's check or a money order, which must be made payable to the name of the trustee at the trustee's address. Your first payment must be received no longer than date certain. Each subsequent payment must be paid and is due on the 20th of each month for the 60 months you're in bankruptcy. However, As I informed you, if one of your secured priority or even one of your unsecured creditors comes into your case and presents evidence in the form of a claim to the court that you owe them more than you have informed me, because you have excess equity in your home, if that's the case, I may have to make adjustments to your plan. Uh, payments to keep you in bankruptcy. And if you don't timely make these payments, the trustee will have your case dismissed. So you must do whatever you need to do to make these payments on time. And I tell them also they're going to get an official notice from the bankruptcy court and the name of the trustee within the next few days telling them about their 341 hearing, giving them the date, place, and time. And I've stated in here where it's going to be because I know. And I tell them that they need to bring two forms of ID, a Social Security card, and their driver's license or ID card. And if they don't bring those documents, they won't be able to get into the federal building and they will not be able to complete their 341 hearing. And they also tell them if they're a business debtor or sole proprietor that they are going to have to do a business exam 
but I tell them before they send it back, they need to run it through me so I can make sure that we've answered all the questions. I tell them that they should only be in there for five to 10 minutes, but it's very important that they come and be honest and truthful and that I will be there to assist them if we run into any issues that needs my help. So that's how I get my clients through the 341 hearing. And when we come back next time, I'll share with you some of the next steps that we have to go through to keep a client in a plan. So as I say in closing, I like here at Selwyn's Law to say we need to stay on the right side of the law. And here's how we do it. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.